Chapter 10 Tick-tock. Tick-tock. Time was running out fast. The wind was with us on our trip back to David's house. Just one problem. Have you ever tried to find one house in the middle of a whole subdivision of almost identical houses? From the air? When the only other time you've seen the place was at night? Are you lost? Axe asked me. No, we are lost, I said. Look for a pool. It was sort of kidney-shaped. A pool? A yerk pool? No, just a human pool. I've never heard of such a thing. Are they necessary for reproduction? No, but they help you get friends during the summer. I spotted a blue kidney-shaped pool and veered toward it. It looked right. Surely it was the right place. Only, just across the street was an identical house with an identical pool. I could have cried from sheer frustration. Then, from up above us, came a thought-speak voice. Axe? And who? Marco? Cassie? Tobias! I yelled. What are you doing up there? And how did you know it was us? What I'm doing is writing this excellent thermal. And any idiot would know there's something weird about a northern harrier and an osprey zipping around, peeking in people's windows. Good grief. Have you ever heard the word subtle? Make fun of me later, I snapped. We need to find David's house. Like now. A block to the west, Tobias said. Hang tight, I'll show you. Down he fell, like a missile coming down on its target. Axe and I flapped to intercept him. What's the deal? Tobias asked. He's offering the box for sale over the internet. He already has one interested party. There's a timed email we have to stop, but I'm worried I'll have it protected by password. That's why I brought Axe. Ah, um, if there's a password... Why not just turn off the computer? I almost splatted into the rooftop from sheer duh. Oh, I guess we could do that, I said, feeling like possibly the biggest idiot in the world. Of course, duh. Turn off the computer. Or at least yank out the phone cord. I hate feeling like an idiot. It would still be best if we made it look like the email went out. Then, if David doesn't get an answer, he'll figure... You know, no one was interested. How do we get inside the house? Tobias asked. All the windows are closed. I'm not splatting into any more windows. We were circling above the house. Three birds of prey, probably looking like vultures or something. Tobias was right. The windows were all closed. There was plywood in the window Rachel had busted the day before. I was feeling a little more relaxed now. We had a little more than an hour before the email would go out. Plenty of time. Okay, here's what we do. Axe and I will morph the cockroach and crawl in under the back door. Tobias, you stay and make sure nothing eats us. Axe and I landed in the backyard. There was a nice high fence, which was good. And we'd looked in every window and were sure no one was home. I demorphed by the rusty swing set. In a few minutes... Axe and I were ourselves. We walked over to the back door. I knelt down to take a look at the crack beneath the door. There was plenty of room for a cockroach. 
Okay, let's get this over with, I said. I rested my hand on the doorknob, preparing to enter the cockroach morph. But then, I felt the doorknob slip. Hey, these people left the door unlocked, I said. Come on. No! Tobias yelled just as I pushed the door open. What's the matter? I said. It's open, so... Burglar alarm! That's what's the matter! Tobias yelled. What is that unpleasantly loud sound? Axe wondered. Aw, oh, man! I yelled. Come on, let's go! Tobias, let us know if you see cops showing up! I rushed inside, with Axe trotting along behind me. Through the kitchen, with Axe's hooves skittering wildly on the linoleum. <coughs> Through the carpeted family room. Crash! Axe's tail had caught a lamp. A ceramic lamp. Which was now pieces of ceramic lamp. <coughs> Up the stairs. Crash! 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 Three little friend pictures mounted on the stairway walls were swept clean by Axe's tail. This is working out great, I yelled in frustration. Marco! Axe! Someone's pulling up! Into David's room. The computer monitor showed a cool screensaver. I bumped the mouse. Off went the screensaver. I double-clicked on the AOL icon. The phone rang, and I jumped about two feet straight up. Someone had answered the phone. I shot a look at Axe. It wasn't him. Someone had turned off the alarm. And from downstairs, I heard a strong male voice say, Yes, I'm home now, and the alarm is going off. Yes, I'm sure I can handle it. No, I'm a law enforcement officer. No need to send one of your guards out here. I'll check it out. Click. David's father, obviously. Home from work. Home from work as a law enforcement officer. Home from work with his gun. I glanced at the screen. The AOL software was loading up. Slowly. No time to wait. We had to hide. We had to hide me. Plus, a big, blue, scorpion-looking deer boy from outer space. And we had to hide us from a guy who knew how to search. Great. Axe, into the closet and morph something small, I hissed. He leaped. I leaped too, straight underneath the desk. I was going to yank the phone wire out, just to be safe. But David's desk was one of those desks that has a back piece. I couldn't get to the wires. Okay, if anyone is up here... Might as well come out so there are no accidents, David's father said. I don't want to have to shoot anyone. I couldn't reach the phone cord. Urgh, I said in total frustration. I jumped up, glanced at the screen, dropped to my knees, and rolled under the bed. From beneath the bed, I saw shoes stepping slowly through David's door. I held my breath. And that's when I realized two really terrible things. One. In my quick glance at David's monitor, I had noticed something odd. The clock in the lower right-hand corner was wrong. It was off by an hour. David's email was going out not in an hour and three minutes, but in three minutes. 2. David's pet cobra slept under the bed.
Chapter 11 It slithered up over the lip of a cardboard box. And let me tell you something. Time really is relative, because I aged about five years in five seconds. It formed itself into a coil. And then, quite suddenly, up it went. Head flared wide, tongue flickering. It raised up and... Bonk! The coper hit its head on the bottom of the mattress. This seemed to leave it feeling puzzled, because it sort of hung there, half up, half down, staring at me like it was all my fault. I remembered David saying it had been depoisoned, or whatever they call it. But how can you trust a kid who'd own a snake? The snake stared at me with glittering, evil eyes. The shoes came closer. What was I supposed to do? I could morph to something small, like a bug, like a roach or an ant or a flea. But there was a slight problem with that. I was being eyeballed by a cobra not two feet away. Who knew what snakes might eat? Then it hit me. The obvious, if slightly insane, solution. I reached my hand for the snake. Whap! The snake struck! Fangs in my hand, right in the fleshy part between the thumb and forefinger. I groaned. All right, come out from under there, David's father said. I grabbed for the snake and held him tight this time. He began to thrash, slither, wriggle, and just generally be annoying. On the count of three, bring your hands out first. A muffled noise. I saw the black shoe swivel to face the closet. It was Axe, providing a distraction. Good old Axe! I held on to that stupid snake, and I focused. When animals are acquired, which is when we absorb their DNA, they become calm, relaxed, peaceful. Most of the time, anyway. But not the snake. No, as I absorbed the DNA, and as David's father went to the closet, that lunatic snake kept thrashing like an idiot. The closet door opened. All right, step out here and... Jeez Louise! I heard the sound of a gun being holstered. And then, the big black shoe started doing a dance. A little dance called Stomp That Bug! Marco, I am in Spider Morph, and this human is attempting to crush me with his artificial hooves! I couldn't answer, of course, since I wasn't in Morph. All I could do was try to distract David's dad for acts, like he'd done for me. So I yanked the cobra back and flung him across the floor. He went flopping and hissing out into plain view, at which point David's father said, Oh, Spawn! Get the spider, Spawn! Things were going from bad to worse. The cobra locked its nasty gaze right on poor Axe, who I could now see zipping around insanely between the man's big, black, artificial hooves. Axe was going to get stomped or eaten, one or the other, or possibly both. Nothing to do now but crawl out from under the bed and... Get that spider, Spawn! That's the door. Probably rent-a-cops from the security company. The useless... I told him not to bother. He muttered his way out of the room. I squirmed quickly out from beneath the bed, stood up, narrowly missed stomping Axe myself, and pushed Spawn, the snake, out of the way. I swept Axe up in my hand and leapt back to the computer. And there, on the screen, the fateful words. Your mail has been sent. I took a deep breath. I had a morphed endolite in my hand. A deadly email was on its way. 
David's policeman father could decide to come back up and resume his search. And I had a painful snake bite on my hand. At least there was no poison, or I'd probably be dead by now. Unless it was one of those slow-acting poisons. From downstairs, I heard, Hey, look, I told your office I didn't need them to send you. Waste of your time. Probably just a false alarm. I have it under control. I guess he hadn't seen all the stuff Axe had accidentally broken. The sound of the door shutting. Now what? I wondered. The email had gone out. David's dad was going to start searching again. And I didn't really want to leave the house. Trouble could start at any minute. Spawn, the snake, had slithered away into the closet. No time for Axe to demorph and then remorph. There was maybe just enough time for one morph. Just time for one morph that could stay right here in the room and not be noticed. Or eaten. Axe, I'm going to morph. I'm putting you down. I tossed Axe onto the floor. I wasn't too worried about dropping him. He was in Wolf Spider Morph, and I'd done that morph before. They're tough little creatures. I focused my mind and began to morph. I began to morph the cobra. Chapter 12 Here's a newsflash about snakes. They don't have arms or legs. I began the morph, and the first thing I noticed was that my arms and legs were withering. Not just shrinking, withering. Like if you took a strip of paper and put it at the edge of a fire in the fireplace, and it doesn't quite burn, it just sort of withers. That was happening to my arms. It was bizarre. It was the kind of thing that would make any sane human being scream like a ninny. I mean, come on. You're looking at your arms, and they have skin, and muscle, and hair, fingers on the end, fingernails, and all of that seems to crumple and weaken and shorten and shrivel. But as bad as that is, your legs are worse. You need them for standing. As soon as I realized what was happening, I dropped to my knees. As quietly as I could, but I'm sure I still made some sound. Great. Now David's dad would definitely be coming back. I rolled onto my side and back under the bed. I twisted my head and realized that I was twisting it too well. My neck had grown. I could look straight down without crimping my neck. What I saw was my morphing suit and my skin both begin to be covered by a pattern. Like tiny, tiny diamonds drawn in my flesh. The scales of the snake. They were yellow and a sort of dirty brown. My arms were little twigs poking out from the trunk of my body. My legs were thinning and stretching. All muscle gone. My feet gone. I heard the eerie sound of my own bones turning watery and disappearing. I literally felt the sagging of my internal organs as they sort of lay there, unsupported by the usual bone and muscle. I could hear a faint scrunch as my spine extended out, forcing its way down one of my withered legs. And then, all at once, the other leg whipped around like a fast-action ivy or something. It whipped around the leg with my spine in it, and melted together to form a tail. Now, here's the gross part. Morphing, like I said before, is never logical. Things don't happen smoothly. Sometimes, it's like they happen as weirdly as possible, like the Andalite scientist who invented morphing had a twisted sense of humor or something. Because even as the scales spread across my almost totally tubular body, and my legs became a tail, and my arms... well, 
They were gone now. But even while all this was happening, my head was untouched. I know I still had my normal human head. Normal-sized. With a snake where the rest of my body should be. Yeah. Get a good, clear, mental picture of that. Think about it being you. And then think about just how much you'd want to scream right about then. I was a worm with a head. I've had two legs. I've had four legs. I've had six and eight legs. I've never had zero legs. Zero legs, zero arms. Fortunately, my lungs were tiny snake lungs and couldn't have forced a sigh up through my human mouth, let alone a scream. I am so going to have nightmares about this, I thought. Then, at last, my head began to change. It was a relief. I mean, either be human or be a snake. Don't be a little of both. You feel weird stuff during morphing. Never any pain, which is good, because, seriously, you don't want to think about how much it would hurt to have half your internal organs disappear and have your spine shoving into new places where it doesn't belong. But you sometimes feel things like they're far off. The way you feel things in a dream, like they're happening to someone else. But they're still happening, right? I could feel my windpipe, the part that goes to your mouth, push up, up through the roof of my mouth. Then I could feel it join with my nose. I have no idea why. All I know is, I couldn't breathe through my mouth anymore. My head was shrinking very fast now. The scales covered my neck, spreading up my cheeks like really bad acne, then across my forehead and over my scalp, replacing my hair. My mouth was getting bigger relative to my head. A normal human mouth is maybe, what, 5% of the size of the whole head? Well, now my mouth was about a third of my head. I felt my teeth suddenly turn mushy. They became puffy flesh, like rotten gums. And then I heard the sound of something growing inside my mouth. I felt it too. Fangs! They grew and curled back up against the roof of my mouth. Of course, Spawn had had his poison sacs removed, so... Then it occurred to me. This morph was created from DNA. Surgery wouldn't affect that. The fact that Spawn had no poison did not mean I didn't. I had fangs. Hollow needle teeth. And above those fangs, up in my mouth, poison filled the sacks. Between those fangs, my forked tongue whipped. Out, tweedle, 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 as it wiggled. In. Out, and tweedle, tweedle, tweedle. In. It was like smell, only not. I was tasting the air, but tasting it with more refinement than the world's greatest food lover. I was tasting individual molecules. My sight was excellent. It was even in color, which was a relief. Different colors than normal, but color. In addition, I felt a new sense, a new awareness added to the others. It took a while to figure out, but then I realized I could sense heat. Not like the difference between a hot stove and a block of ice. This was infinitely more refined. I could sense the difference in heat between the side of a carpet strand that was toward the faint sunlight and the side that was in shadow. The only real problem was hearing. Snakes don't have external ears, you know. Mostly I was hearing through vibrations in the floor that seemed to travel up my body. But then, I'm used to that. 
it's pretty much the same as when you're in Cockroach Morph. Mostly, though, I was a creature of sight, with that questing, tasting tongue to back me up, and an eerily precise ability to sense minuscule differences in temperature. And that's when the snake's own mind appeared within my consciousness. Cold. That's how it felt. Like a ghost was standing beside me. Like someone had opened a door in my brain, and a rush of arctic air had blown in. The snake heard the sound of footsteps approaching, climbing the stairs. It was wary. Not afraid, just... ready. Like Clint Eastwood walking into a saloon. Not afraid, just making sure his gun hand was free. Tongue out. Tweedle, tweedle, tweedle. Tongue in. Wary and hungry. I sensed heat. Not much, since what I was sensing was cold-blooded. But enough. The wide-set eyes spotted jerky movement. Eight legs motoring. The human is coming again, Axe said. The cold, calculating, emotionless machine that was my brain noticed the odd sound in my head and dismissed it. Irrelevant. What mattered was hunger and movement and warmth. Tongue out. Tweedle, tweedle, tweedle. Hmm. The musk of a bug. The scent of a spider. Movement, warmth, and taste. Movement and warmth and taste meant food. Food was the answer to hunger. Marco, what do you think we should do? Axe asked. I didn't answer. Instead, I reared up, cocked my head back, stretched the thin bones that spread my cobra cowl, and with speed as great as an andalite's tail, I fired my head forward, mouth open. I ate Axe. I ate him in one quick swallow. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. I don't have too much to say this week, other than Marco doesn't know what poison is, and what venom is, and that bothered me unnecessarily, so we're going to have a quick lesson right here. Poison is when you uh, have to ingest it, which is why poison tree frogs are poisonous, because uh, their neurotoxins are only activated upon being eaten and ingested by another creature. Venom, meanwhile, is... Sorry, there was a loud car driving by. My window's open. It's hot. Venom is when something is injected into the bloodstream, uh, which is why snakes are venomous. They have venom sacs. They don't have poison sacs, Marco. It's a venomous snake, not a poisonous snake. That's all I gotta say. Listen, watch nature documentaries sometime. You learn a thing or two. But uh, other than that, uh, I just have the regular stuff here. Um, much like Venom, you can inject all the cool stuff I do directly into your ear holes uh, via my website, theapocalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with the D in the middle. Um, and that has all my stuff on there, and you can also write to me from there if you would like. You can also write to me in a variety of other ways, such as on Gmail, audiomorphscast at gmail.com, on Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, or on Twitter, at Audiomorphs. Uh, you can also communicate with me, I guess, through reviews. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, I'll read it. So, uh, you know, 
if you want to do it that way, that's cool as well. And uh, I think that I think that's it. So thank you all for listening, and I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>